All right, we are live. Welcome, Sahar and Mike, to Trigger to Life podcast. I am so excited to be having a conversation with you two today. Some of you may know we had Sahar last season and she shared her beautiful story with us. And we wanted to bring back Mike to have a little conversation about um, about life and relationship and moving through grief in partnership. And then we are going to talk a little bit about the nonprofit that you two started. And I'm super excited to I know a lot about it, but I'm super excited to share with the audience uh, more. So welcome. How are you two today? Good. Good. Just, I'm good. Yeah. Mike's doing a lot better than uh, I think the rest of us yeah. do today. Big so, family. Yeah. So, Did yeah. you get COVID? I got a stomach bug that was like really gnarly, but it's okay now. Well, I'm... So happy you were recovering. I've heard that's been going around. My mom had that too. And it's not fun. Yeah, it's intense. Not fun. Well, excited to be here. Yeah. Well, excited to have you. Besides, um, you know, part of your family being under the weather, what's what's most alive for you two right now? Yeah, I think uh, I feel like I am very alive these days. I feel very energetic and spirited. And we've been traveling a lot, which really helps me. Um, you know, that is my happy places everywhere. Um, so, yeah, I've just been feeling connected and, and just been feeling great. Good. I love seeing your, your long hair. Thank you. Okay. So the thing, honestly, like I feel for me, I feel like I've been the most present I've ever been in my life. And so that for me is what makes me feel most alive and spending time with like, like actually being present with like my family and trying to stay present in a process versus like, oh, I just got to get to the side of it, you know? So it's been a nice shift. And so like, obviously like, something I struggle with daily because, you know, Mike and I went hiking and I was like hiking and I was like listening to the sound of the gravel underneath my feet. And I was just like, kind of being like, Oh wow. It sounds so awesome. Like just that crunch. And then I realized like, I found myself being like, okay, I'm ready to get to the top. So I could just finish this damn loop, you know? And it's like, no, just continue enjoying the sound of gravel underneath your feet and the feeling of like, you know, your, the, you know, the tension in your muscles is like you go up versus like, okay, it's just a thing to do. So that's, that's actually what I'm realizing is making me feel more alive and present. Mm. That's such a practice. I had a intuitive tell me once she's like, I want you to go hiking, but I want you to actually be there. And I was like, I was like, that's kind of a burn. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like I hike all the time. <laughs> But she had such a point because I'll find myself hiking and I'm like, okay, can't wait to finish it so I can check off that I was doing nature. And it's like, that's not what it's about. (laughs) So I love that example because it so clearly depicts what it means to be present. And I don't know, it's something I'm always working on, but it's definitely not easy. Um, so 
hopping into a little bit of your relationship story, I want to know, I want you to tell the audience how you two met, like just a little bit of your love story. So we had a mutual friend uh, who was my roommate at the time and um, he knew Sahar as well. And then we met at a bar one night when he was, when I was with him and he had invited her and we just kind of started dating from there and things took off and, you know, we moved in together, we did the whole thing and then got married and it'll be 10 years um, in September, this September. So that's exciting. And uh, yeah. 10 the big one oh yeah it's crazy i know we don't look it <laughs> i know you guys look just like spring chickens which you are regardless of how long you've been married but um how did you know that you wanted to get married to each other um i think for me i i love loved and loved Mike's like gentle nature. Um, I have a family of very fiery people around me that are very passionate and, um, and for Mike, he was very, he's very calm and loving. And I was like, yeah, I need a little bit more of that in my life, you know? And we also just I mean, we got along great and we fell in love with him. And I, yeah, I just, he, he felt like a very, a very loving, um, stable partner, and it's like you know, I need, I, 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 I want someone to build a future with, and I thought that um, he was my guy. He was my guy. Yeah. Mike, how did you know? I, <laughs> I think that's tricky. I don't know. I was definitely. I feel like now I would say like you didn't know anything because that was, you know, like. 10, 12 years ago that we started to get together. And now I'm like, that that child, that person was basically an infant emotionally and in a lot of ways. And so now I'm like, you didn't, you felt like you do something, but you really didn't know anything because you didn't really understand the depth that commitment takes and the, the hardships that can come with uh, loving someone and being uh, in partnership with them. So I felt like I definitely was, on the mindset of like, this is, you know, the time in my life when I should be doing this. So I definitely was like playing into my programming and whatnot, but you know, I also think that that doesn't have to be a bad thing. You know, you can become conscious of it and and recommit yourself. And um, remember that there was a spark. There was something there, you know, initially that, that brought you together. It made you feel like this person is going to be a good partner. So. Yeah. It's so wild how two people can come together at a time in their life where there is obviously life up into that moment, but it doesn't, you can never prepare for going through hardship and actually working it through and and continuing to, you know, commit to each other after going through a time in your life that is extremely difficult. And I wanted to tell the audience a little bit about, you know, if they listened to Sahara's story last, last season, they'll know a little bit about Keon's story, but I'd love you, I'd love to, in your words, hear about Keon's story and 
Um, and then from there, I'd love to ask you some questions about how you move through grief as in a partnership and how that can look different for one spouse versus the other. Um, but for now, I'd love to hear a little bit about Kian. Kian is, <clears throat> Kian is our youngest child. Um, he is a bubble of joy and love and warm hugs and mm-hmm. not wet kisses, which is crazy. <laughs> and, um, and we had him, I mean, we had him in December of 18. Um, he has an older sister, Yara, and, uh, and when he was three months old, he was diagnosed with a very rare and aggressive um, form of cancer called MRT. And that kind of plunged us into like this world of, of being an oncology parent and like having to deal with, you know, um, having a, a well, a well child at home and a sick child in the hospital. And, you know, Kian was, and is just the type of person who always was joyful, even though he was going mm-hmm. through like the worst of circumstances. And he was, I would say, always present, yeah. <laughs> super loving. And so, so yeah, that's, uh, that's Kian in a nutshell. Um, I think, you know, you have anything else you want to say about, about him. Um, no, I think you, I think you covered that. I mean, I was just going to, you know, talk about the next part of it, which is after his diagnosis and then yeah. spending most of 2019 in, in and out of the hospital and with chemotherapy and radiation. Yeah. yeah. So Kian was diagnosed with MRT at three months old and then we spent the next, um, six months going through chemo and radiation. And I mean, honestly, throughout it all, he was just, wonderful i mean just mm-hmm. such an easy happy baby um he officially went into remission and ended all his treatment and then in september of 2020 um during the pandemic he relapsed and then just a short four months later he passed on january um january 2nd 2021 thank you so much for for sharing just a little tidbit of, of what you guys went through. So we spoke, we had you on the podcast, like I think four months after Keon passed, which, you know, at the time I was like, is that too soon, you know, to have a grieving mother talk about the joy and devastation of her son and losing him. Um, and it was such a beautiful and raw episode and, you know, I feel like so many people learned so much about how to move through grief. It's like life continues to go on and you have Yara to take care of and you have a relationship to, you know, be present in, which I can imagine is really hard when you're going through such deep grief and, I'm wondering, as you've landed back into your life and, you know, some of the um, adrenaline has kind of settled, what what does your day-to-day life feel like right now? I think our day-to-day life has been pretty joyful, honestly, because we've been really able to 
stay present and, and connect with the aura. I think that's been a big part of it. Um, because when we were taking Keon through all the treatment, we were definitely like a separated kind of family because we had two kids and two parents. So like, you know, it's kind of a one, one to one situation. So there was a lot of time that, um, you know, we just had to repair, you know, sort of the bonds with Yara because she also spent a lot of time with, um, her aunts and grandmother and stuff like that, you know, spending the night when we had to be overnight with Keon hospital, we were doing, you know, various things. So. It's, you know, it was, it's not easy and it, you know, gets a little bit easier over time, but still, you know, never know when it's going to come up or you're going to see like a really cute two-year-old boy and be like, oh my God, that's like my son, you know, or, you know, you get that flash of it or whatever that, that trigger. And so it can put you right back into it and, and all the hopes and dreams that you had for that child and all the, you know, sort of normal things that come along with having a kid you know all the, all the beautiful parts of it too mm, that's so beautifully said do you guys grieve similarly i think we are he just said just to know i think we are um i would say i agree i don't think we grieve similarly but and i think we've gotten a lot better at um communicating our grief to the other person so that you can at least, you know, share some of that energy, even if it's like, you know, I feel like I personally grieve more and better when I'm like by myself and like, I don't know if it's, I have a hard time around other people or whatever, but you know, I definitely like just notice myself driving and breaking down or like going for a run and crying or, or going hiking and like really getting into my feelings. And, uh, yeah, I don't think that's, it's a hard thing. No, I'm very communicative, so I like someone to sit in it with me. And, yeah, witness. I like a witness. Yeah. Yeah, it it takes, like, a incredible level of vulnerability to be witnessed in grief. And then also just to grieve in general, because it's, I don't think it's something, I mean, you tell me, but did anyone teach you how to grieve? I think for me, growing up <laughs> in a Middle Eastern culture, you know, you, I think everyone's seen the videos of like, you know, Middle Eastern, you know, my family's Iranian, but you've seen the videos of women in the Middle East wailing at funerals, right? Mm. And it's just a very accepted part of, of how you grieve, like you, you let it out and um as a child i would say that that was very terrifying because i'm just like oh my gosh what is going on but as an adult and like as someone who has really started to enjoy screaming into a pillow <laughs> i'm i really appreciate it right and so it you know it's very it feels very natural to have that witnessed for me it's, yeah. it's not performative, right? It's just, it's the release of all the things that you're feeling and then having other people there to help you hold it and move it. Mm. Yeah. Is, what other tools do you use to, or like, what are the, what is the most helpful thing that you've found, you know, whether it's therapy or, you know, medicines or somatic 
experiencing? Like what, what, what do you personally think has been the most helpful for you lately? For me, it's definitely been, I mean, I think we found a really great therapist. Um, she's amazing. She's has been pivotal to like helping us understand mm-hmm. ourselves, each other, repairing. Um, and then I've been doing a lot of meditations um, this year and a half, which have been, I, I'm, I've always been like, okay, I'm going to, every year is like, okay, this is the year I'm going to do it. I'm going to get into med- meditation, even just one minute. And like, never, right? Like, just never. Couldn't sit still, couldn't like, you know, just even thinking about being like that present in my body. No way. Can't do it. Like, <laughs> and now I sit through like, you know, 30 minute meditations and it's like, oh, it's over already. Like, <laughs> I was just getting to the good part. You know? So, um, and then even like learning, like meditation doesn't have to be like laying on your back in a dark room, right? You can have meditative walking. <laughs> There's other ways to do it, not just the, you know, sitting with your back perfectly straight. <laughs> that takes so the fun out of it. Yeah. Like, I don't know. I just want some flexibility in my life, right? Like I've spent so much of it being rigid, but now I'm just like, you know, yeah want to dance and everything yeah I guess it's like what you need right like some people probably need the structure and the rigidity but some people are like my life is already so structured and rigid like I'm gonna meditate laying down or I'm gonna meditate on a tree or whatever feels good to you um yeah Mike what is what is your favorite tool Um, recently I would say it's been movement. I think that is my meditative space, you know, moving my body and, you know, I love being out in nature. So hiking, trail running, all that good stuff, biking. Um, I think that really helps me, uh, have a daily or, or almost daily practice of doing it. Definitely, you know, we have used plant medicine and other things like that in the past that really help, especially get through big moments or like move a lot of energy. Uh, those are great, but you know, you know, you probably shouldn't do that every day, kind of thing. And uh, you know, stuff like exercising is extremely healthy for you, and it's good for you, your mind, body, and spirit. So, I'm trying to to lean more into that kind of thing. Mm, yeah, yeah. It's like the screaming into a pillow. It's like that, or going for a run really fast, and then like, I don't know. There's just something about that physical exertion that helps to. I mean, endorphins and move some of the discomfort in your body. Um, amazing. Thank you so much for sharing this. I, I know like these questions are, can be a little heavy and I think it's, and we're going to start moving into the lightness. Um, but I just think it's so beautiful to one witness people who have gone through the worst experience you can ever imagine. And yet you are here telling people like, yeah, I'm, I'm focusing on my joy right now. And I'm using this to move through this because it's really expansive to see you two living and breathing and moving through hardship. And I'm so thankful for you to share your experience. I really appreciate it. Well, I think, um, one of my, one of the, like you were talking about expansive, I think one of the things that I 
learned or heard is that everything can be medicine. And that really, you know, expanded my mindset of, you know, what I, you know, when, when I'm moving through my life, you know, am I treating this thing as a, as medicine, you know, my movement, am I just going for a run because I think it's good for me or because I understand like on a deeper level, I'm connecting and I'm able to release emotions or like go deeper into my thoughts when I'm in that kind of space. Um, yeah. Like yeah. everything can Find be intentional. With you and then, yeah, everything is medicine. I love that. Do you think Keon picked you two as parents? 100%. Why do you think he picked you? Because <laughs> we're awesome. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> that is true. That is true. Um, I feel, you know, how do I, how do I vocalize this? I feel like everything that happens to you today is in preparation for something like tomorrow. And so I was very sick as a child. I had ulcerative colitis. I had tons of gastric issues. Um, I was in and out of hospitals. It really taught me how to survive and thrive in that system and how to get, and how to get what I needed in the, in this, right? Like I learned how to be a squeaky wheel without being obnoxious. I learned, um, I learned a lot about medicine and how, and like, body function because I had to, right, to advocate for myself. It really taught me how to be an advocate. Um, and so when Keon kind of fell into that world and us there with him, I felt like, all right, I've already done this. I already know how this works. I know how to get through it. I understand. I understand intellectually, like, what they're talking about um, in terms of, like, how treatments work, for the parts of the organs that might be affected, how the surgeries go. I felt prepared to ask the right questions. <laughs> um, and I think that Mike has, I think part of what Mike brought in, into this is, I mean, I don't well, I think for, for me, like what I'm experiencing, it was like a completion of a loop for you. Of like, yeah. You've been sure. Yeah. So I would say that, uh, <clears throat> Keon's purpose, uh, I think he chose me so that he could teach me how to grieve. Um, I lost my mother to cancer when I was like years old in my senior year of college. And uh, it was, you know, I was like living, you know, living away. I was, you know, finally going to go off into the world and do my own thing. And then I lost my mother and, and it basically felt like my family sort of fell apart. Not, you know, like we were angry at each other, but just we kind of all did our own things. I'm the youngest of three boys. And so, you know, they were, my older brothers were, you know, doing more other older people things. And, and, uh, and I was just, you know, sort of starting out. And, um, and so I didn't, the thing I did not do back then was grieve. I just carried my head into, you know, going finishing school and figuring out a career and doing all the other things and having a relationship and then having kids and then I lost my son to cancer in a very you know similar fashion than to the way I lost my mother and um and so that definitely was a, a wake-up call you know like you know cause it all came back and all the pent-up energy and everything else and it just you know it was destroying me from inside I think people forget that when you experience grief, it can send you and bring up a lot of the old grief 
that we may not have dealt with in the past and it compounds it. And then it's like 10 times as hard to move through it because now you're processing two different things. And, you know, obviously that's, you know, I've experienced a flavor of that, you know, but nothing like losing a mother and then a child. Do you find that, you know, you had to grieve your mother alongside Keon? Yeah. Yeah. And then go back and, and just really, yeah, have compassion for myself. Cause obviously I was also, you know, ashamed or angry at myself for not, then not doing the work back then. And, you know, obviously being very immature in a lot of ways. And, you know, you have to go through all of it. Like you can't just pick and choose. You just have to see what comes up and, and like I said, the plant medicines are very helpful for a lot of a lot of navigating that uh, past uh, trauma and things like that. So, mm. you know, yeah, I'm really grateful, you know, to have had all of these experiences because it's definitely mm. helped me be in a better place today. Yeah, and twenty is like such a baby. We don't okay. we don't know what we're doing at twenty. <laughs> I didn't think it had, of course, you don't think that at the time, but yeah, you know, absolutely. Like, yeah, yeah. No, I know it's. I think at every age you think like, oh, I'm so young. and I mean, I'm so mature and I know everything. And then you get older and you're like, no, still don't. Still don't. No, nope, I know less and less. <laughs> um, so you guys have really taken your pain and turned it into such deep purpose with RAR for Keon, your nonprofit. And I would love for you to just talk a little bit about it. Tell me um, how you did this so quickly um, in such a, a deep state of grief. Like I am in awe of you two. And um, yeah, so give us all the details. Okay, I'll go. <laughs> there was no tap. But um, so... I think I talked about this a little bit last year, but honestly, like I remember getting home from the hospital, the hospice after Fionn passed and Fionn's doctor called and like, she's like, how are you doing? Like, what's going on? And I was like, Dr. Vrella, I can't have people send me flowers. Please find me like several organizations, something, anything. Like I love flowers. I don't want them to be associated with this thing. And Mike and I had talked about this a little bit too when, you know, he was, after you had passed, we're like, we just want to make more meaning out of this and do mm -hmm. something other than just sit around in a house full of flowers and casseroles, you know? <laughs> um, and so she gave me the names of a few organizations. And the one person that was on there that I didn't know had a foundation was um, Dr. Mullins, uh, Dr. Mullen from the Dana Farber Cancer Institute, who we had met with, but she never mentioned that she does research initiatives. And when we had met Dr. Mullen, she was just so warm, treated us like family, just really, really, really great, right? And I was like, that's the one because I'm so decision fatigued that I just want to give this to someone who I know is a good fiduciary. And so we picked, we picked Dr. Mullen's research fund and within like, I think a month, we raised close to like $46,000. Imagine all the flowers. <laughs> <laughs> And so 
so we saw that and we were like, this feels like really good, right? This feels really amazing to give back and to do something for um, a research initiative that's geared towards understanding cancers like Keon's better, which are severely underfunded by the way, like a government perspective. And and we were like, how do we how do we turn this into something that we do all the time? And so we started working with um, the Yoga Brain of uh, Megan, who's amazing, and she's kind of helped us institutionalize and, and kind of come in under our own banner of, of a nonprofit. Because part of what we also want to do is not just fund research initiatives, but what we we're also feeling very called to do is supporting families now. Research is great. It's fantastic. It's going to pave the way for the future. But what do you tell the family that's going through it right now? How do you provide a support service to them right now? And saying, hey, we're raising money for research is great. But that won't bring them much solace or comfort now. So Rar for Kion was started in an effort to keep searching for better cancer treatment in the future and also provide services to families today. And so we started um, providing some meal services to caregivers. We've taken mm-hmm. food to the hospital staff where Kion was. Um, and, and I guess that's that's how it kind of came to fruition. I don't know if there's anything else you want to add to that, Nick? Just we are. <laughs> Um, just that we are continuing to build and grow. I mean, that, you know, we, you know, like you said, received so much outpouring right at the beginning that we wanted to, you know, transform that into something positive. And so at the longer term, you know, if you have an organization that needs, uh, certain real world practical things like a board of directors and all these other, you know, things that I've never, you know, we've never really done or heard of or anything like that. So. You know, we are growing. We're continuing to um, to brainstorm new events and different ways to engage with our community and to grow our community, and provide updates about the the work that their money is doing. That's amazing. I love I love hearing about it. I mean, I know a lot about it, but I love sharing with other people about it. So, if someone wants to support, what's what's your next event coming up? How can they support Robert Cam? Yeah, there's there's several ways. Um, we we don't have a, we're gonna have an event sometime in the fall around pediatric cancer awareness um, month. Date Which is- September in September. Um, <laughs> thank you. Date <laughs> date TBD, but you know just block off your entire month of September, please. I'm just <laughs> kidding. <laughs> um, so we will have an event. Um, you can sign up for our, our emails at rawforkian.org. That's R-A-W-R-F-O-R-K-I-A-N.org. Kimmy, could you put that in the, the podcast? We'll put, in the, we'll put it in the notes. <laughs> um, you can sign up for the newsletters. You can volunteer. You can follow us on Instagram. Um, you can share our story. You can, of course, donate. Or you can sign up for us on Amazon Smile. So we're mm, now registered on one, yeah. Smile. Yeah, I just got that pushed through. I'm very excited. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, so there's several ways to help and not all of them monetary, right? Just sharing our story and, and coming out to our events. And, mm-hmm. you know, oftentimes we have a silent auction and really good things on there. Some stuff from Canis. Um, so <laughs> yes, I'm, I'm so excited. I got a pet portrait. Oh, you got it? Okay. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I'm, so excited. I actually need to look at the email because I have to go through and I think 
send a picture or some something like that. Um, but yeah, there was a lot of good things. I definitely bid on a few things. I got outbidded, but on a few other things. But um, it's always fun to to support, and especially in creative. I don't know in creative ways. Yeah. 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 Uh, let us know when you get that tag us when you get the portrait. Oh, absolutely. I will. <laughs> so currently, who who are your expanders? Ooh. Yara. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> I mean, I would. I think that my three greatest teachers are my family members: Sahara, uh, Yara, and Kian. And it's probably so much, so many different things, you know, about different parts of life. That is very sweet, Mike. Oh, yeah. Yara's pretty special, too. She is. She is. She's like my perfect little mirror. Like sometimes she's running around and like moving from activity to activity and then has a thousand ideas. And I'm just like, Yara. I can't keep up. And I just see Mike chuckling in a corner. He's like, yeah, how do you think it feels? Huh? Like, that's you. <laughs> and I'm like, damn it. <laughs> so cute. So. Uh, well, thank you so much for coming on and sharing your story. You two are wonderful. I'm so happy that you took time to sit down with me today. And we will link everything you know, your handles, information for Raw for Keon. And yeah, I hope you have a wonderful rest of your day, but thank you for taking time. <laughs>